Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to series two of Broke and Ambitious with me, Frances Keaton. Each episode, I speak to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We talk day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and weird ones, plus how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. As we enter series two, I have a favour to ask. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to give the show a boost. My guests today are Narlin, Chris and Gareth, hosts of the Podcrawl podcast, a podcast celebrating pubs. Narlin Disanayaka is a stand-up comedian and claims to be the most important third of the Podcrawl podcast. Chris Adams is a stand-up comedian and actor. Gareth Fox studied at University of the Arts before becoming a freelance AV technician working at the Tate and the University of Michigan. Here is my conversation with Narlin, Chris and Gareth. Okay, welcome presenters of the Podcrawl podcast, Narlin, Chris and Gareth. Thank you for joining me today on a Sunday. How are you all feeling? Fresh. Good. Loving it. Yeah. Better than Chris by the looks of it. It's like Groundhog Day every day, isn't it? To be honest, me and Narlin, I think, are very fresh. We were just discussing it before. We've been for a nice walk in the countryside, not together. I, I, I actually went looking for hares to... Um, I'm trying to get the March Madness, see all the hares, you know, boxing. But I keep seeing hares just running around. Oh, I thought you were regrowing the bald spot. No, no. Yeah, I thought that was a scalp-related thing as well. <laughs> Never heard of the March Madness. Is that an Easter thing? I think it's when the hares all... You know, the hares get a bit randy at this time of year. and They, oh, they all have that boxing, the boxing and stuff. They, they compete for sexual dominance. Yeah, so I, I, I've been searching for that. And I've been seeing lots of... I've seen, like, loads of hares last night and today <laughs> when I went for the walk. But none of them were boxing. Which, I mean, it's quite good, because, I mean, it's a bit violent, isn't it? Um, but, yeah. It's like Spring Watch on acid. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on acid. It was yeah. yeah. To be honest, it's, it's very dull in the countryside. <laughs> so, I mean, you've just got to embrace any form of excitement or anything like that. Yeah. But, yeah, so me and Narlin, we found out Narlin went for a walk in Richmond, didn't you, Narlin? I did. I did see some animals. I saw some deer, but I didn't. It weren't fighting, unfortunately. No. Damn. But Chris doesn't look too healthy. So I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I went for a walk yesterday and I went through Brentford and I saw two people who were fighting. All right. <laughs> I'd love to hear how you each got into your line of creativity. So, Narlin, how did you get into comedy? Um, how I got into it? I suppose I always wanted to perform in some sort of way or liked entertainment. And then it goes, yeah, I just kind of funneled my way into comedy by like in my teens I guess watching things like Mock the Week and Have I Got News to You and panel shows and Russell Howard's Good News and stuff and then it just kind of cemented that I wanted to just make people laugh so then just making stupid videos with my mates back at home with like a dad's digital camera he was getting all pissed off that I'm filling up his memory card with us doing dumb videos so that's kind of how I got to where I am now and then I think doing technical stuff because i do like technical theater this is where chris comes into my story because we met first year of uni and then uh um our course was a theater arts course and i wanted to do acting and stuff but the course kind of encouraged people to do like look at all aspects of theater 
and me and Chris is doing a show on 1984 and they were like, who wants to do the lighting? And I went, yeah, I'll do lighting. That sounds like fun. I've never done it before. Chris puts his hand up. Yeah, it's like, cool. We're doing it together. I love the play 1984. What kind <laughs> of uh, lighting effects did you do? Uh, you know, it was the old, uh, uh, everyone's angry for the two minutes of hate. Chris, what colour should we use? Red. Red. <laughs> nice. It's a classic. It's a classic gel. So, yeah, yeah. You guys host the very successful Podcrawl podcast, Series 2 coming soon? Series 3. Series 3 coming soon. And presenting a podcast is a very different technique from doing stand-up, isn't it? It's like keeping a conversation going with funny banter, but also structure. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. 100%. There used to be a little radio station at our uni, and it was a baptism of fire. Because my stand-up was very blocky, it was just one-liners, because I'd panic. And it was like learning to talk, because initially it was terrifying to, to tell a story. Whereas now I think I'm competent at best in doing that. That stood me in great stead, was to fill dead air. And, and it's only because of that I can host-ish the podcast, or talk and try and keep a narrative. I never used to be able to do it. I can't now, I cannot look at jokes. Now, I used to have to have jokes in my pocket written down or I'd panic. I, I now, it is the complete opposite. And it was one, it was a colleague of ours said, oh, you should just go out with nothing in your pocket and just talk. <laughs> and I did. There was some shit written on the back of the room. Just some shit. Something about someone's birthday. And I just riffed. And it was like light bulb moment. It was like, fuck. So forget the... Forget if you forget the jokes. Who gives a shit? Just chat crap, and it was it was like a renaissance. So now, conversely, I wouldn't be able to do old style. I don't think. What freedom yeah. to have that light bulb moment! I don't think the use of renaissance went unnoticed there. <laughs> see, see, that's this is what this is what he's like on the fly. So highbrow, it's incredible. But that's great though that you found your niche and filling dead air. I can relate to. I remember being at school and being terrified of dead air just in social situations. I'd be sweating, <laughs> like just with yeah. my friends, trying to keep a conversation yeah. going, trying to keep them entertained, mm. ask them questions, make them laugh. It's weird. So, Chris, how did you get into performing? It's the same shit. I was that tedious whelp of a child that just liked to be in... I, I enjoyed performing. But strangely, I never I never wanted to do it. And in fact, I cried and can remember crying, really crying, because I got cast as the Sheriff of Nottingham in the school play. And I wanted to be Little John because he was big and I was the biggest in my year. And I did not want to be on stage. And I can remember crying and crying and crying and crying, terrified. But that Mrs. Harris, never forget her, legend. She'd obviously gone, that you could do that. And I, I'd never have thought I could. From that moment on, to have people go, you were good at that. It was like, I was good at something that is enjoyable. Fuck, is that allowed? And that was fun. And then became that, that tedious kid. I, oh God, I was a fucking cringe. I used to go around form classes in my secondary school and do stand-up. I used to do school assemblies and do stand-up. If I met me now, I'd hate me. That's amazing, having that confidence to do stand-up as a child. Well, no, you just made, made you just made wank jokes because you knew that the teachers were looking <laughs> and uh, that okay. was good because you could get away with it because you were mm-hmm. doing stand-up, so it was okay. And a lot, a lot of it was, I'm afraid to admit, shamelessly stealing Tim Minchin songs. Oh, wow. But no one knew who he was, so it was fine. 
<laughs> That's cool though. And the, you sound like a really cool kid. Really embarrassing to admit, but I, I really loved Milton Jones, the Hawaiian-shirted, ginger-haired, uh, one-liner comedian. Adored him. I adored the wordplay was stunning. Just fucking did ten minutes of Milton Jones jokes, and his name was Mister Green, and he was the geography teacher. And the room is laughing. Two hundred people are fucking dying of laughter. I get off stage, and he goes, "Chris," I went, "Mister Green." He went, "Just spoke of Milton Jones. He's gonna sue." Ooh. Never stole a joke. Never stole a joke yeah. again. Fifteen years old, and turns out he was his mate. So he wasn't bluffing. No, shameless. I'd just gone through Milton Jones jokes on the internet. Just told them. <laughs> Everyone went, oh my God, he's so good. And this one teacher pulled me up on it and was like, just lifted that whole set. It's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> a saviour in disguise. That could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? It could have been a whole Edinburgh show of you ripping off Milton Jones. <laughs> and it could have been The Guardian calling you out. <laughs> But Mr. Green got in there early. God bless him. <laughs> I still think that's a great technique at that age. Yeah. Just find some lesser known comedian with great material and perform it to your classmates. Yeah, that, that sounds like the movie Catch Me If You Can where Leonardo DiCaprio characters yeah. just bluffing his way through. Just see how long that stand-up set can get you to like SNL or like Conan or something. Well, it got me far enough to get me on to BBC Points West at 17. <laughs> Again, then they were like... Like, <laughs> very quickly that bullshit got called out yeah that was bad <laughs> love it Gareth how did you mm. get into the arts I, I was studying art for years I, I studied art I wanted to do art and then I just got into process I just started to enjoy the process realised I would never make it as an artist because I don't have the drive I'm not that driven I'm quite a lazy naturally lazy person I like just experiencing things and not really bothering to push things that sounds like a true artist but go on that sounds like your art mate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's lazy so yeah so basically i just got into um, the whole technician thing through that and then yeah and i've sort of forgotten the journey but yeah i just know that it sort of led from doing sort of art and then realizing i'd never i never as soon as it became as soon as it actually mattered and stopped being a hobby i sort of grew to hate it and I just got into the process of things like making sculptures, making films, and then slowly drifted into technician. Well, it's refreshing to hear that kind of honesty, actually, because I've certainly been thinking recently, what if I made my art a hobby? What if I decided to make acting my part-time thing? Would that be a huge relief? Yeah. Mm. Would it make it more enjoyable? Because that's what you're saying. Your technician job right now is probably very hard work and you want to do it well, but there's less at stake, I imagine, than putting your yeah. heart and soul into your art and sending it out into totally. the world so, with yeah. all the risks that entails. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, no, it does, because you do get to... Because as a technician, you do take part in the creative yeah. process, but it's not your responsibility, which is quite nice. You know, not not having to sell it, not having to discuss it. You just find solutions, which yeah, is quite nice. Yeah, definitely. But I think the only real creative thing I do nowadays is the podcast, and that's because of Narlin dragging me into it. So, you know... These kids are just dragging this old man to his slow death. <laughs> That's so cool, though. So you still do art, you still do sculpture well, and stuff, just for yourself. I'm, tr- I am sort of getting back into it. Yeah. Because um, I've finally getting to that stage where it's becoming a hobby. Like I started doing pottery and stuff, which is sort of nice. I'm starting to do nice 
folky, yeah, whatever it's called. Um, what do you call it? Craft. <laughs> I'm starting to do craft. Yeah. <laughs> and then doing the videos for um, the pod crawl is quite good fun because that's sort of easy and not thinking <gasps> and just good fun. It's Oh, you do the videos? I do some of them. Narling does some of them. I do the best ones. He does. They, they definitely have an artistic flair. Definitely. <laughs> Gareth Fox yeah, signature video. You definitely know when you're watching one of those. Yeah. So you know, so that's that's quite good fun. So it's sort of this is sort of dragging me back into it. It's sort of yeah. I'm getting such a beautiful insight sort of. into your life. Just imagining you crafting a pot and then going out to watch some <laughs> hares boxing on the green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is my life. <laughs> What's it called? Middle March. No, no, March Madness. Yeah, it's when the hairs all go crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's not on my radar, but it will be. All right, well, thank you for sharing your journeys into creativity. And now we're going to talk a little bit about how we managed to survive as creatives, namely through day jobs. So can we start by hearing your best day job, Narlin? I would have to say it's a toss-up between the time me and Chris went to the Edinburgh Fringe for a month and worked as techs and promoters work suggests that you were paid and i'll tell you now i didn't earn a cent yeah i didn't i didn't earn a cent either but the i earned memories <laughs> um and i guess I'd, I'd give it to tate av as well um that's that's quite a good day job it's very very chilled for what i did because i used to work like backstage in theater as well i used to work at queen's theater in hornchurch and that was hardcore six days a week on your feet doing shows in terms of just having a good good stable job i'd give it to tate av so this is doing lighting design at the tate modern yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just... it sounds like a great place to yeah, work it's a lot of fun chris you're an actor but you also do tech do you enjoy doing tech i'm shit with it <laughs> i'm shit I, I, the reason i gave up after the first year um I'm not very good at it. I don't have the patience mm. nor the dexterity in my hands to create a set. I painted a cave once, which isn't a euphemism, <laughs> but it does sound like one. Yeah, patience is not my virtue, so I, I, <laughs> I couldn't... I in this couldn't. podcast, you're all establishing your characters. Chris, you're painting yourself as the self-deprecating one. Gareth is like the wholesome, cuddly, crafty one. <laughs> Narlin is the sassy one. Well, he is definitely sassy, yeah, Narlin. No. That's the description. Like, um, you know, in Hercules, the muses. Yeah. That's, that's, that's who we are. Yes! Great reference. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what's your best day job? My best day job is international accounts manager. Ooh. Which is nowhere near as exciting as it sounds. It sounds very exciting. <laughs> international sounds exciting accounts manager doesn't yeah that, that <laughs> bit makes it sound more exciting than it is but that ain't gonna happen for another two years now because you can't fucking go anywhere unless we're counting wales in which case yes i'm an international traveler um <laughs> it's a weird story i don't know if we've got the time but i was in uh, in wagamama Hampstead for years right as a waiter and meeting all these cool people tim burton used to come in and used to sing for helen and bonham carter all sorts of people, Martin Freeman, Mark Gatiss, Ricky Gervais, and all those sort of people. Anyway, I was miserable, I hated my job, I was drinking every day, fucking like miserable as sin. And and this woman, and, and I got on, that sounds really weird when I say, I got on with her kids. Um, But she had, she had kids, and they always used to go, hey, what have we got? I was like, what's on kids, how's it going, how was school? And we'd just chat. And I used to give the mum free wine. 
because I just because I, I just didn't care. I fucking hated it. So I was just like, anything <laughs> I can do to rinse the company of money. Here, have some free wine. And one day she goes, "You do look very happy." I was like, "No, nah, I hate my job." Right. Well, Monday, you know, you come work for me. You start on a trial. Wow. And then I started there, and I did <sighs> media was the official role, and now I do all the accounts. So there we are. That is such a great story. That's amazing. She just liked the cut of your jib. And the fact that you gave her free wine. <laughs> like to cut my jib, yeah. Free wine. She's like, she's like, do you know Excel? I lied and said yes. Um, I think t- to this day she still thinks I have an English literature degree. She, she, in her head she thinks I'm good with words. And I just sort of just carried on blagging it. And, and it sort of insanely has got me all sorts to Dubai and Belgium and all over the world of this job. And total fucking fluke. Like, 100% fluke. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So you're an accounts manager. What is the business? <clears throat> oh, mate, it's shit. We just sell some tea drinks. It's nothing, <laughs> it's nothing special. Honestly, it's nothing special. And it, and it operates operates out of a barn. Um, and if I took you there, you'd go, this isn't in London, but it is. And there's some horses. And someone with Tourette's also works mm. there. And, and it's all, you know, if I said it to you, you'd say you're chatting out your ass. But I could take you there now and it would be like a world of wonder. Are all the people that work there just sort of random people she's assembled from various restaurants she's been no, to? No, no, it's not various restaurants. It is solely Wagamama, <laughs> but there are various <laughs> Wagamamas. That's an agency pool is Wagamamas. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Chris, do you think she goes into Wagamama's to either get food or a new member of staff? Little from column A, little from column B. <laughs> You'd think they'd ban her from Wagamama's, wouldn't you? Just poaching their staff constantly. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's stealing our staff. <laughs> but then they're probably relieved because then their wine stock just goes up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all I'll say is if Wagamama treated their employees a little better, maybe less of them would God. leave. We're sending Oh, my God. Um... Okay, mm. well, that was a very exciting story and an excellent day job. Gareth, quite hard to beat that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, how can I beat that happiness? Um, no. I mean, like, yeah, like now, I mean, the work of the Tate is great fun, but I think my best one was University of Michigan. I was working, I was lucky enough to live in Michigan and, oh, and work in the university, and because it was such a varied job, it was really good fun. And it was such a part of the community. The whole university is the town. And it was just a beautiful job. And being foreign makes my life so much better. I just really enjoyed... You were like a James Bond sort of figure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Yeah. <laughs> Not the klutz mm. that I am. They do. They couldn't see past my accent over there. So, yeah, no, it was really good. That was my favourite job because it was so varied. You're dealing with people. And Americans are so open. They're such an amazing culture in terms of positivity and sort of openness to anyone you know you're just chatting with the professors you're teching for and it was so good yeah how long were you there for i was there for about four years okay yeah and did you start to feel like you were getting a bit american by the end i yeah and no you sort of kept up the britishness because they used to love us i mean they they oh, loved sure. it, you know? yeah, that's i'm not sure if they yeah. still love us but they used to love us you know so you'd sort of i'd, I'd become more british in the way I, well more posher british in the way i spoke <laughs> you know it's like, your friends are like skyping you and they're like why are you wearing a top hat what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it was really good fun yeah but it was such a, it was such an amazing job because it was part of the community and it was so varied you'd show films we'd have a festival every summer and then we i'd just show movies in the night and stuff coming back was hard coming back to this cheery island why did you decide to leave or did it just come to an end 
just came to an end visas and things and just came back my my destiny was to be with Narlin. I think yeah, yeah, it was God's it was God's way. <laughs> Narlin, he was like, yeah, I'm going to put these guys together. The easterly breeze brought you this way. Yeah, totally. There's a child who was born when you were in your mid twenties. Okay, let's move on to your worst day job, Narlin. Oh mate, this 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 job lasted about. It felt like two minutes but i think i was working there for about two weeks before i got fired it was um working in this like peri peri chicken shop so it was like a fake nando's cross pepe's if anyone knows what pepe's chicken is the shop opened it was called rio's and it was like brand new and like i had to basically do wash dishes and scrub the grill and wrap up some food and i got sacked because they told me the guy was like oh make sure the grill is clean like i want it spanking clean so I was there fucking taking forever to wash it and clean it. And it's like, too slow, gone. And then I got fired for being too slow for washing the grill. He just said that, too slow, gone. He's just like, too slow, gone. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I just got like got my money <laughs> and fucked off. But like the training was so long. The training took like four weeks. I had to go to like Paddington. I lived in Croydon at the time. This is like six form. I had to go to Paddington to learn how to train in a Pepe's. Um... And then come back and then got fired two weeks later for, yeah, not scrubbing the grill quick enough. Oh, that's bleak. So. And did you, did you pride yourself on your scrubbing skills before that? Well, I was like, I know how to fucking scrub. And if you wanted it clean, <laughs> I'll clean the damn thing. I mean, um, based on his standards, I'm surprised there weren't like bleep tests for scrubbing in the training. Yeah. Like I know, timing right? you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like, like times on the like yeah scoreboard. Or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if there was a scoreboard, that'd be very better. But um, I was the only scrubber at the time, so had no one, no one else to compare me to. So I don't know why he sacked me, bastard. I was sixteen, seventeen at the time. Oh, how did you bounce back from that? Um, uh, I got accepted into uni and was just waiting for that sweet, sweet student oh, yeah. loan to come in. We could all leave a bad review, couldn't we? How weird would that be if, if on Monday morning he just gets these three bad reviews saying <laughs> the grill was not up to my standards? <laughs> You'd be like, hmm, very specific. <laughs> I hope it's clean now, now, Lydia. Yeah, there was a brief two-week period where my food was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clean. <laughs> clean as a whistle. Yeah. Chris, what's been your worst day job? Worst job, I, yeah, I guess wagging my mum said, and it wasn't bad. It was, it was just rich people are cunts, and they were particular, <laughs> they were just particularly <laughs> horrendous some days. And they, they'd expect sort of rich style service, and it was like, darling, you're in a chain restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. look how rich I am. It's like, yeah, eating at Wagamama, my word. Uh, yeah, there were lovely customers, and there were people I can still get recognised now by some of the kids who are now in their teenage years. I can still go down Hampstead High Street, and they're like, "Why am I a guy?" I'm like, "Shalom." I got on well with some of the customers. Were cool. I got my job from there, but some days was just miserable because posh London people are are awful sometimes, aren't they? They're just horrible people, and it would grind you down because you knew you were making let's say seven pound an hour living in a flat. And then multi-millionaires driving £100,000 cars. And it was just it's just a bit sick, really. You mentioned that there were a few celebrity visitors at the restaurant. Many, many, yeah. Because I used to always wait on them. And I'll tell you why. I never asked for a photo. I never bothered them if they were with their children. Never. Because it's not fair. 
is it? They've come for dinner, and I just heart in your mouth sometimes. Like fucking Tim Burton's here, holy fuck! But never, ever, and it was like that guy. Cool. Just treat them like their shit's the same colour as mine. <laughs> Sam Mendes, <laughs> Sir Sam Mendes, the character of 1917, Skyfall and wow. Fisherman. Um, he used to come in, and that was fucking cool because no one had a clue who he was. And I said, "Excuse me," I said, "I really love your work," and he was like, "Oh, cool." And he was—I didn't ask. I still got it hung up here in the corridor. Hey, Chris, stay cool, Sam Mendes. And I've kept that forever. Sick. Yeah, legend. Legendary bloke. He also received free Coca-Cola cans, so big up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for your worst day job, it does sound like it opened a lot of doors and got you some signed memorabilia from Sam Mendes. Great. Everyone has bad days, don't they, in their job. It was just that would be a particularly bad day because you might go a whole day without a nice word being said to you by a customer. Yeah. And it, mm. it is very galling knowing that they're treating you like utter crap and they're easily any one of them is well a multimillionaire. So it's just like, come on, people get lives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, at least you didn't get fired after two weeks, isn't that right, Nylon? Yeah. Well, <laughs> luckily. Tell you what, that fucking grill was spotless in that restaurant, I tell you. <laughs> Unlike some people. I'm looking at a review right now, right? Oh, and yeah? It says this shop should be called uh, it should be called old and rare. The chicken is so dry, you could sand down your walls with it. <laughs> <gasps> oh, boy. Gareth, what's been your worst day job? My worst day job was... I, I When I was early 20s in university, I started working on a building site once, and I lasted a week. I was like, yeah, the fucker made me dig holes. He was looking for a drain under the soil. And he made me dig holes for a whole day. And I got in such a mood because he didn't know where I was meant to dig. And I hate digging. I hate digging holes. (laughs) That is the only job I've ever quit. I actually left that job in a mood in a huff more than a mood. I wasn't, yeah, in a slight huff because I spent a whole day digging holes by this guy. It was terrible. It was god awful. That's all I can remember about it is just being in a huff because I've blanked it out of my mind because it was so disgusting. Just just because I know you've got a famously good memory. Are you sure it was construction, Gareth, and you just went on some wild goose chase with lost treasure? I was, maybe. I don't know. The guy was mental. The guy was crazy. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it was good. I don't know. We didn't build anything. All I did was dig holes. So you might be right, Chris. But I'll tell you, it's god awful. It was terrible. I lasted a week. I didn't even last a week. I mean, well, that was a five five or four days. It might not be. <laughs> My favourite bit of that was the polite, gentlemanly clarification. I didn't get in a mood. It was more of a huff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, what are the I, wasn't, I wasn't confident <laughs> enough was to scary. get in a mood. I just got in a mumbling huff and left. No, just just a little bit of a sigh, a touch <laughs> yeah. maybe, and then yeah. walked off. <laughs> yeah, all the anger was in my own mind. All I did was I got in my mind, I'm like, no, why can't he tell where the fucking hell the drains are? If he's not professional, I'm not working for him. And then I huffed off. Huffed off? And it was like, yeah. So since then, I've never worked in building and I have a problem with gardening. Oh, for it's sure. It's weird. I just hate all forms of digging. It was just hell. I just remember, I just dug and kept digging. And he's like, oh no, try over there. And you're like, what the fuck? Why don't you know where this thing you want me to find is? Are you a professional? And now since I've grown up, I've learned that, you know, people are just blagging their lives. God, I hate that man. I still hate him. I heard his wife left him and stuff. So, yeah, I suppose his life isn't too good now, but... 
Yeah, it was probably her garden, wasn't it? <laughs> Full of holes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, so that was my worst job. But then I also had a job, you probably, on market research, which was like yes. a horrible job. Yes, so, yes. yeah, that's another one I was put there. But I think digging holes mm. is the worst ever job. Yeah, but the, but the market research is close because I'm rubbish at saying my own name. And I keep phoning <laughs> people, and my name's Gareth Fox. But people kept thinking I was doing Guy Fawkes. Kept thinking I was saying Guy Fawkes, and they'd be a bit what? weirded out. They'd think I was taking the piss. And then also, I'm I'm rubbish at sort of stopping conversations. When I was living in America, oh. conversations had gone like half an hour longer than they should do because we couldn't work out how to end it because we had a different sort of social thing. And on the phone, I just couldn't like. I remember talking to an old lady in a shop for about an afternoon because I felt guilty about calling her to ask her questions. And some old dear in Scotland, I was just chatting to her because I couldn't put the phone down because she needed a talk. It was horrible. It was terrible. But yeah, those are my two bad jobs. And the rest of my jobs have been nice. Okay, Narlin, what's been your weirdest day job? I was once a promoter for the Camden Barfly once throwing out leaflets encouraging people to come in and drink there so that was weird and one day some drunken man spoke to me about my career aspects on the street and then gave me 20 quid and then just walked off into the distance oh my god it sounds like the woman who hired chris in wagamamas who are these angels just wandering around asking people, are you happy in your job? Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know why he decided to pay me off. Maybe he was some weird pervert and he was just getting off on talking to the strange men about the... I, well, if that's the payment, I didn't I didn't have to do anything. You know, I didn't have to walk around the corner of an alley. I was happy. I was. <laughs> I, I got 20 quid. I was like, yes. Hey, what type of job was he offering you, Nana? No, he wasn't offering me any jobs. He was just talking about what I wanted to do in my life and then gave me 20 quid and then walked away. Um, I, the, the weird part is that I had to give, like, um, if, if they had a flyer, so whoever had a flyer, they had to quote the person that got given the flyer from. And people would, like, could never remember my name because they can't be like, oh, yeah, Narlin gave me this flyer that's, like, free entry or whatever. So I had to, like, like white up my name. Oh. So I was like, oh, yeah, just say that Nick gave you this flyer. And then um, my boss at the time uh, was like, I heard you have to change your name. Whatever it is, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, oh. there you go. Chris, what's been your weirdest day job? International accounts manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a fucking weird job. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that I wake up one day in Dubai and sort of go, how the fuck have I managed to wing this? It's weird that I will go to Wales this week in a van, having never driven a van before. It's weird that one day I was told, what are you doing next Wednesday? I need someone to go to Belgium. I need you to go to Yorkshire tomorrow <laughs> in the van. Um, yeah, it's just a weird job. It's weird that I drive back from Cologne. Just right. Got to be, got to be in London in twelve hours. Better hit the road then. Never driven on the other side of the road before. <laughs> Fucking not a clue. Just right. What's the worst that can happen? Off we pop. It's a weird job, but there we are. Gareth, what's been your weirdest day job? I had a job once where you had to count people going into train stations. Where I'd just be dropped at random train stations, <laughs> and I'd just sit there from six in six. We'd be dropped at half five, you know, from the first train, and I'd just sit there all day, just clicking a button oh when somebody walked past me. 
And then one summer, we ended up travelling around the UK and just getting dropped off at little train stations in Cornwall and things and just staying in caravan parks. So it was like, it was it was a really weird job because you're just getting stuck. You're just sitting at train stations where nobody, hardly anybody comes to. So you'd just be talking to the people who used the station because they'd go out for their job in the morning, they'd come back in the afternoon and you'd still be sitting there with your little clicker clicking. And that was... Was your boss by any chance the same man who made you dig all those holes? No, no, this was this was a different team. This was actually quite this was another thing that was it was a terrible job. But it was like a holiday because one of my friends had got the job and then he pulled in a couple of other friends to work with this job going around. So we were like on a summer holiday for a few months just doing this job, just getting dropped off at train stations. I remember one time the army were recruiting at one of the small stations for some reason, and there was a guy dressed in in a, like a bush or something. I think he was a sniper, and basically, in a bush. yeah. And they were trying to recruit us, but then we realised we were earning more money than they were doing this shit job. So that was quite good. But yeah, no, it was um, that was the weirdest job I've ever had. Just that is so so yeah. weird. Did you ever just click it loads just for fun? No, but we did used to. We were on one station where there was only one train. So we actually started getting on that train because we were so bored because we knew it was just going to the other station and coming back. So we weren't going to miss anybody. So we started to just ride the trains occasionally. It was really good. It was a very good, it was a very good G- job. Gareth, can I ask, what, what was the job title? It was, um, I'm not sure what my job title was, but the, um, the company was called Count on Us. <laughs> Genius! I love it for your counting needs. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. there should be a biopic made about this period in your life, just following you going around <laughs> these tiny little country stations with your little clicker, just like, okay, guys, hello, yeah. Penzance, we're yeah. here. Who's ready? <laughs> <laughs> it was. That is exactly what it was like. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Narlin, could you share any money-saving tips? Yeah, so basically whenever I get paid, I get paid monthly. So the way I do it is I just chuck 10% of that into a savings account straight away. That's so grown up. (gasps) Whatever else I have spare at the end, then I'll throw into a savings account as well. But if I need to like buy something to invest in some sort of creative venture, whether it be like a microphone or whatever, I'd buy it and then try and reimburse myself as soon as possible. Like whether that means getting overtime. Yeah, just overtime basically, just trying to get that money reimbursed. That's, That's my tip. Thank you for that tip. So just literally saving money, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And reimbursing yourself if you do splash totally. out. Well, yeah. Hard work. Fair play. Yes. Chris, any money saving tips? I haven't bought new clothes in years. It's all second hand. And I don't care. It's never something that's worried me. Clothes. Cl- clothes are clothes. I don't care. And and I, I stopped fast fashion. So I tried to buy second hand stuff that was made in a mildly ethical manner. But there's no uh, way I can afford it first time. Just forget it. As long as you're happy mm. and as long as there's an end game, I think what's been very difficult on a personal level during this pandemic is if you've got a job that you don't love, if you have a job out of necessity in order to carry on your passion, it's very hard when that passion stops or dries up. Case in point, going to work for six weeks and not having a single audition come through because everything's shut can be really shitty. But the minute those auditions come through again, you go, oh, I know why I've made this choice to live broke. And it gives me the flexibility to do what I love. And that's and, and all I'd say is, I think it's a mindset in some people is that sort of keeping up with the Joneses. And I've never been interested in any of that bollocks. What, who are you showing off to? Don't fall into that trap, really, is wow. my main advice. I mean... 
Chris for president. What a beautiful speech. Just just to add to that, I think it's like um, yeah. also having mates to help each other out. Like, so I give like Chris free take tickets whenever I can to go see shows and that. And then back, obviously, and then back in the day when Chris was working at Wagamama, giving me that 50% off. So you kind of like your mates, just don't be shy to ask them. And don't be shy. Don't, because I, sometimes it's 15 quid a week I've had to, 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 to get food. Well, tough tits. Tesco baked beans it is then. Tough. Put up with it. Get through it. What are you going to do in your downtime? Mm-hmm. You're going to sit there and worry about it all night, or you're going to throw yourself into a project and a body of work. It's scary and it is stressful, but is yeah. that old adage, you're not very good at maths. You're not very mm. good at maths because you don't study. If you want to do it, no one said it would be easy. It's difficult. It's difficult. People don't want it. To, people don't want to do it when it gets difficult. And sometimes you get wrapped up in the, oh God, so-and-so's on so much more money than me. Oh my God, so-and-so's a manager in the city. Oh, fucking hell, I'm never going to afford a house. Jesus Christ. It's all about priorities. We're all going to die. You might as well have a good time before you get there. Yeah, and as you said before, all of our shit is the same colour. <laughs> We've had some great quotes from Chris, I have to say, so far. You're welcome, world. Narlin, how do you stay creative on the side? I, I, I like doing stand-up, and I just write jokes, mm. anything that comes to mind. Um, at the moment, the podcast is probably the most creative thing that I do. So, yeah, just kind of keeping myself involved in a project, I guess. I want to do it, so I, I will keep myself involved in doing it. If And I'm enjoying it, so I'll stick with it, basically, is the short mm. answer, yeah. And Gareth, you mentioned you do your art on the side and you edit the teaser videos to promote the Podcast. Yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've, I'm trying to make creativity a hobby again. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yes. It's, it's just a hobby, which I enjoy more yeah. than actually making an effort. I think it's a really yeah. good point. And I think everyone in the creative arts should consider, yeah. would I be happier if this was a hobby? Just like, yeah. think about it. Yeah, yeah totally. And here's a, here's a mug I made, so I Ooh. supply my... <laughs> it's a beautiful ceramic Thank mug, uh, a sort of taupe yeah. colour. Would you call that taupe? <laughs> it's sort of greeny <laughs> something, I don't know. But yeah, so that also saves me money in buying mugs as well. I'd like to think you say save money by making your own mugs, but then like the loan you took out to get a kiln in your house is just <laughs> bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. Chris, any ways of staying creative on the side from your day job? Well, I do. I made the decision to do part-time work, which is partly why finances are exciting. And I made the active decision that when I'm not in my office, I must do something. So I'm writing a script at the moment with some wonderful collaborators. I do the podcast. I do auditions. And... Yeah, I'm always thinking, my brain's always going, it's a pain in the arse, but that's the way it is, and you might as well invest that. Basically, if you've got time to worry, you've got time to be do, doing something useful. <laughs> so, Another great quote from mm-hmm. Chris Adams, fantastic, yeah. <laughs> and finally, what would be your dream job if you didn't have to do day jobs anymore, or just what would be your dream position to be in? Narlin? doing Gareth's train counting thing that sounds incredible. <laughs> it that, does that. sound amazing yeah and and like uh, part of my dream job is i wrote down essentially getting paid to travel so whatever gareth did i want okay that 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 is yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it, i it, i suppose the the ultimate goal would be i always talk about it to chris oh we should do a travel show we should do something something along the line so maybe maybe something will come one day maybe pod crawl related traveling around the country to different pubs maybe 
Oh, that's a great idea. That could be the next step. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We'll see. Okay. Gareth, what would be your dream job? Um, I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it. I would like to own a peanut plantation or live somewhere hot. So I guess <laughs> sort of find a job that... Peanut yeah, plantation? Where the fuck did that come from? Always, whenever <laughs> I eat peanuts, I always fantasise about owning, a, you know, growing them and living somewhere nice and just having an endless supply of peanuts and also making money from them <laughs> to fund my life. Of, into, I, I love... I'm, yeah. So you really love peanuts that much? I love, I love, and I love the idea of living in whatever country they come from. I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, where do they come from? I don't know. I think it's America, South America, or North America, or somewhere. But you know, living by the beach, having a big plantation, oh having people who are my friends, but also pick peanuts for me. So you know, it'd be. Do you know what that job would probably include? Lots of digging of holes, and I don't think you. Yeah, but I wouldn't have to do it. I'd be the boss. I'd be. I'd be the. I'd be okay. the. I'd just be. Mixing up the new herbal, yeah, the new recipes and trying out different <laughs> peanut recipes and stuff. Yeah, so that would actually be my... And that is actually... And I am telling the truth. It sounds a bit weird, but I would... I, whenever I eat peanuts, I always have this fantasy of opening... Owning, owning a peanut plantation. I don't know why, but yeah, I do because I love them, but yeah. Did you guys know this so, about Gareth? No. I've learned so much about him on this episode. Yeah. It's been brilliant do you hate me now chris no not at all in fact the no, opposite I'm, I'm more than ever i'm now on google looking for plots of land yeah for you yeah. To we're gonna by. make this stream a reality son just give us 10 years this is what i'm hoping with the podcast <laughs> i can earn enough to retire oh, yeah. somewhere and have a peanut plantation yeah and i can just sit there yes is it making sense for you guys though all those moments in the pub where you've lost gareth completely when he's been eating peanuts <laughs> and he's just gone off in a daze <laughs> why does that keep happening gareth <laughs> It explains that uh, Christmas we spent at the Reese's factory. Yeah. <laughs> coming together. Oh my god, that's just brilliant. Chris, dream job? Um, a job where I can earn a sustainable income within the arts. Um, as an actor would be great. Yes, great. That's the dream, if we're being really honest. I'd love to do that professionally. That would be great. Yeah. I'd love to say, I'd love to do the Globe one day, but that would be a massive, massive thing. To yeah. Do before I go into the ground. Yes, Ooh. exactly. If I'm digging the hole for you to go in the ground, Chris, it'll take forever, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be delighted, because I'll, I'll be delighted on my deathbed knowing that it pissed you off. <laughs> I think that should all be our plans when we're on our deathbeds. They'll be like, any final requests for the burial? Yes, I'd like Gareth Fox to dig my ground. <laughs> <laughs> the grave digger I request. Yes! Well, that's great, guys. Thank you so much for sharing all your anecdotes, advice, and your dreams. That was really insightful. Do you have anything to plug? Follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Podcore Podcast, and listen to the show. And lovely Francis will be joining on that show. It'll either be out or coming out, so stay tuned for that. Yes, I had so much fun on that. Thank you so much, guys. Narlin, Chris, and Gareth. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. No worries. Thank you very much.